Well, um, we have been in a series called Honoring God in Our Finances. We, um, a couple weeks ago, we uh, talked about the tithe. Now, if you haven't, this is part seven, I believe. So we've talked about a number of facets, and they build on one another. And we've been you know, laying some groundwork and covering. There's a lot of, of facets in, in that the Word covers concerning these things. And so we've covered a lot. And so we're uh, talking about the tithe, and we said we'll um, be following up on that. Couldn't cover everything in one service. So a couple weeks ago, we started that. If you didn't hear that message, uh, we're not going to take time to recap everything. Um, that we, this is kind of part two of that message, so we will take a little bit of time to recap. But go back and listen to it. And then, um, of course, last week we had the snowstorm. So we're going to pick up where we left off and, uh, like I said, recap a little bit and go forward this morning. Let's look at Matthew 6. Um, Let's see, let's just go to verse um, 30. Okay, 6 verse 30. Just skip down for the sake of time. We won't read that whole segment of Scripture. You know, Jesus is talking about uh, the birds of the field and the, the flowers. And then verse 30, he said, Now if, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, more, uh, not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves that. You know, God is so faithful to do these little things, and sometimes we say, you know, the devil will tell you, well, he's not going to take care of you. Well, we need to say, wait a minute, he will. He, he takes care of things that are so much less uh, in you uh, as, a, as a child of God. Um, he said that he would take care of us, so we need to be bold about that. You know, maybe you need to say to yourself, you're acting like you don't have any faith. Self, we're not, we're not going to act like that. We're going to go forward and believe God. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So Jesus said, Don't worry, saying, What are we going to do? What do we need? What are we gonna, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? How are we gonna, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? And he said, uh, the Gentiles, people without God, they seek after all this stuff. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek, the people without God seek, they'll be added to you. 1 Samuel 2.30, the last part of that verse says, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, I will honor. That's God saying that. He said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And then it says, those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The word despise means exactly what's at the end of that verse, lightly esteemed. You know, when we think of despise, it's like abhor. You know, we despise, you despise a certain food or something. That's not what this means. It means to lightly esteem. You could read this, though, in other translations say more of this. Those who lightly esteem me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, you don't esteem the things of God, you'll be lightly esteemed. But you honor him, you'll be honored. And if the, the king of kings, the almighty honors you, you're honored. Amen. You don't look for the honor of people, just do what he said. Honor him, put him first, and you'll be honored. So we've been talking about these things uh, in the area of finances, because finances, we all live uh, in a natural world, and finances are a mean, means of an exchange 
and uh, they affect our life. And so the Word has a lot to say about these, and we've talked about different facets uh, of, this, of these things. So we're, we're focusing then um, in the last message, in this message, on the tithe. Um, let's look at Malachi 3.10. What is the tithe? I'm just going to recap briefly. Can't, can't go into all this detail, so we'll just re-preach the last message. But just to get everybody a little bit moving together, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be room enough to receive it. It says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. We said um, the tithe is, it just means 10%. It's not a gift. It's, you know, sometimes uh, people use it this as like, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my tithe. Well, it's not the same as I'm bringing a gift. I'm bringing an offering. That means literally 10%. I mean, it's, it, it's not interchangeable. That's what it means. So a tithe is 10%. Anything over that is uh, an offering. You know, the, the tithe is defined as 10%. And we read, I'm just going to read one verse, but we read a number of verses. Deuteronomy 10, 14 through 15 says, in, Indeed, or just verse 14, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. So everything belongs to Him. Again, we, we went in a lot more detail in these parts we're covering this morning. Go back. All the scriptures are on the website. Go back, listen to it. Let the scripture speak for itself. But, but everything belongs to the Lord God. It's His to begin with. Now we read um, a number of scriptures talking about uh, some incidences of, of tithing um, before, it's in what we call the Old Testament in the Bible, but it's in Genesis before there ever was uh, the law or anything like that. Um, we looked at Abraham, and uh, then we look at Jacob, who was Abraham's grandson, and how they tithe before there ever was a law. There ever was a commandment that was in the law to tithe, but there was obviously some sort of commandment on the earth because there, there was this knowing about 10% and the tithe. So talk more about that. But uh, then in the law, if you look at Leviticus 27, verse 30, Leviticus uh, 27, verse 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Verse 32, it says, And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. So this is now talking about the tithe as it, as it was laid out in the law, and it's codifying it. And it's saying, uh, you know, agriculturally, a tenth belongs to God. Uh, if, if it's, um, you know, sheep or, or goats or uh, cattle or anything, then the herds, a tenth belongs to the Lord. And the, it was codifying some of these things. In Second Chronicles 31, verse 4, talking about then what is this tithe used for it says moreover he commanded the people who dwelt in jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the lord 
We'll go read verse 5 uh, on as well. It says, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel in Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God as they laid in heaps. So if you go back to verse 4, it says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So that, that is the reason the tithe was brought. It was so that the people, the priests, the ones that were dedicated to take caring, uh, taking care of the work uh, in the house of God and in the administration of God's work, that they, ha- they didn't have to go out and do something else, that they were taken care of by that. That was the purpose for it. In Malachi 3.10, we read, it, read this, but just to put it here, we're, probably, we're going to come back to this again. It says, "...bring all the tithes into the storehouse." that there may be food in my house. So bring all the tithes, why? So that there would be food in my house. That's the purpose, so that there would be everything that is needed in abundance for, and this is showing it in the Old Covenant where the priests were involved, that they would have everything they need so they didn't have to go out and provide it separately, that it was provided for them. Galatians 6.6 in the New Covenant New Testament says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And in the Amplified Classic, it says, Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. So you can see this principle Uh, God set up this so that the work of God is done, so that we've talked about this in in past messages. We all have something that we're called to do in God's kingdom, and you don't choose that. You you go after God, and and you just you uh, look to Him to to lead you what you're uh, in what you're supposed to do. Then when you do that, I mean, what else can you do but what He's telling you to do? I mean, it's arrogant to say, "Well, I don't like that. I'm going to do something else." We're all gifted and called to do something specific. Well, for God's work to get done all across the board, we all need to be in our place. Well, there are those that are called to the ministry to, take, to administer and take care of what God is doing specifically in the church. There are people that travel and preach, and there's different ministries. Well, then there's people that are called to business, and there's people that are called to teaching, and there's people that are called to engineering, and there's people that are, are called to raise a family during a, a certain time. And, and so if God's work's going to get done, it can't just be all one thing or the other. We all need to be in our place, but God has set up so that the people that are focusing, when we're talking about coming together in a group like this as the church, facilitating locally what God is doing on the earth because it's made up of local bodies just like this one, and then there are those that are called, that, that, bring, that are teaching uh, and bringing things to the greater body of Christ. They have a place. Uh, and if we're all going to do what we're called to do, then we're all going to be in our place. And so the tithe, and we'll talk about this more, it is meant to support the local body so that we then, 
everybody that comes together is fed, able to go out and do their work in their, their part, and then the church is able to be a, an influence and uh, affect um, the community, affect, you know, support other ministries, do this. So God has set that up so that uh, His things go forward. And then there's tithes and then there's offerings. And we'll talk about that. Mark 16, 15 said, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that's our great commission. That's what we're called to do. So that we're, we're supposed to be about God's work, doing His things on the earth, and sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel. Uh, and so uh, it takes money to do that. To do it the way... Uh, to do it effectively, you know, like when you look around, they don't give this building to us free. Amen. You know, like we, when we support certain uh, ministries and certain things come up, and to support that, well, that just just happened. There's a means of exchange. You know, all the equipment that you see, uh, that that's got to be paid for somehow to facilitate uh, the seats you're sitting in. To be able to put a website up and to be able to do all, all, all the different technical things. You know, then to be able to focus so that, like, so, uh, you know, Shelly, myself, that we can focus on this and be here to facilitate the work of God in this local body. Uh, that takes money. Otherwise, we could go do something else. And then you're focusing on that. Well, then who focuses on the other things? And so it's a team. And we all do what we're called to do. So that is, uh, in facilitating the gospel, um, we all have a part to play. And the tithe is part, part of that. Look at Matthew 23, verse 20. So that's all kind of recap, just to get everybody on the same page. We went into some of those things in more detail. And you can go back and listen to the last, watch the last message, listen to it, however, uh, whatever works best for you. But um, we, it's been a couple weeks, so I wanted to, to kind of get everybody on the same page. Of Matthew 23, 23, <clears throat> it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Let's look at it in the NLT. It says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice and mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus is saying, yes, you should tithe, but... Don't do it legalistically. These, these people were down to just, you know, they're talking about their garden, the leaves in their garden, and they're, they're, they're being legalistic about it without the heart of doing it, and they're, they're, be, they're not even taking care of bigger things um, that the law would prescribe, that God's way would prescribe, but they are focusing on these small things. And so they're doing it legalistically. And Jesus said, you ought to tithe. You ought to do these things, but don't neglect the more important things. In Luke 11, verse 42, it says, But woe to you, 
Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus affirms. So there's nothing in the New Testament that undoes the tithe. It, we see it was before there was a law. There is, uh, it's during the time of the law, and it's after the law. So it's not something that passed away with the law. There's nothing that, undone, that, uh, that undid it. I'm going to read some quotes just from Brother Hagen's, some quotes, paraphrasers, some of these things that had their, um, got these thoughts from the Midas touch. I believe we still have at least one of those out there. If we don't, we need to order more. But uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen Sr., Kenneth E. Hagen, I should say, um, has uh, had a book and has a book um, called The Midas Touch and just covers a lot of things having to do with finances, really brings balance to a lot. But I just wanted to read a few things concerning the tithe. Um, It said, tithing was not introduced under the law. It was merely regulated under the law. Tithing originated as, as an act of faith and faith transcends both the Old and New Covenants. By faith is how we should tithe today, not as an act of legalism, but as an act of faith. The faithful act of tithing, giving a tenth, began as an act of faithful devotion to God to acknowledge that He alone is our source. And we read some more of that in more detail last week about some of the patriarchs, Abraham and Jacob, Uh, bringing the tithe before there was ever any legal commandment under the law. It says, To the patriarchs, tithing was an expression of loyalty to and faith in God. It was also an expression of covenant relationship with God. It preceded the law and today abides as a choice under grace. Should we pay tithes today? Absolutely. But we pay tithes... We pay them like Abraham paid them, not by the law, but by faith. And besides that, if the people of God paid 10% before the law and 10% under the law, should we who live by grace be doing anything less when we have a better covenant? Well, should we? Because some people will, you know, there's teaching and people will say, oh, well, that, that passed uh, away under the law, and we're, we're not under legalism. Don't, don't put me under bondage. When you hear that phrase, don't put me under bondage, what, a lot of times that, that, that can bring a connotation. I, don't give me any responsibility to do anything. That, that's not the way God's kingdom works. There, there, there are truths in the word, and this, is one, this transcends the law. This did not pass away. And if people before the law we're given 10%. And people under law, we're giving at least 10%. Then we're under grace, and we want to th- talk about we're under grace, and we under, we, we're free by the blood of Jesus, but, man, we're not, we, we are not going to give to support the work of the ministry on the earth. You know, we have um, go into all the world and preach the gospel, but we're not going to do what they did in the Old Covenant. That doesn't, that's not intellectually honest. Did you hear me? It doesn't compute. It, it, you know it, what it comes down to is I, I, somebody has a misunderstanding and somebody's try, trying to, I, I'm not saying everybody's, people can have misunderstandings, but when you look at it just on face value, 
uh, if, if it's always been 10%, then somebody said, well, we don't have to. No, you don't. And we'll talk about it. There's nobody saying you have to. You also don't have to pray. You don't have to read the Word. You don't have to stay out of sin. There's all kinds of stuff you don't have to do. That doesn't mean they're not right. And it, and it can be, it, it, it gives us connotation somehow that's legalism. Well, it could be, people could do it legalistically, but you don't have to. Can you say amen? amen. Well, while we're there, cover a couple other things like that. I'll go into um, some other things in a minute. Are we under a curse if we don't, if we, if we don't tithe? No, go back and look at Malachi 3.10. We'll come back to this, but in another context. But since we're talking about this, Malachi 3.10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. In, oh, I don't even have it here. It's back, um, it, back before Malachi uh, 3, verse 8 and 9. It says, uh, God said, you've robbed me. He said, how, is, how, have, how have we robbed you? They're saying, how have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. And it says, you're cursed with a curse. So people are like, well, you're cursed. Now. No, that, they're talking, that, that is under the law. But we, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we are not under a curse if we don't tithe. We are free from the legalistic requirements of the Mosaic law. We're free from that. Is there any other consequence then to not tithing? Yes, if we don't tithe, then we limit ourselves from receiving the blessings that God has promised for those who pay tithes and give offerings by faith. We are not involved to the same degree in what God is doing on the earth. Amen. Look at verse 10 again. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you see that? He said, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse and then try me if I won't open the windows. Well, what if then you're not tithing? Should you expect the rest of that verse? Is any, but there, nobody's twisting your arm, but then to say, but, but, but I want that anyway. What, there's, a, there's a cause and effect there. Not a legalistic cause and effect, but it's more akin to an investment. Think about an investment. If you don't have stock in a certain company, are you going to show up and say, I want my share? You know, if you bought certain companies... At certain prices, decades ago, you could be holding them now and be worth millions. But what if you didn't buy them? You maybe wish you would have bought them. But if you didn't, do, do you have anything that you can say, I, I'm trading this in for $3 million? Come on. Do you? In this, no. 
So, but did anybody force you to buy stock? Should you have bought? Well, okay, if you didn't, you don't have it. That, well, the tithing, we're not forced to tithe. We're, it's not a legalistic obligation. We get to tithe. We get to be part of what God's doing on the earth. There, there is actually no more. That's the whole reason we are still on the earth is to be part of what God's doing so that His great commission can go forth. And as far as use of money, it should be to bless people, take care of what you and your outflow is doing on the earth. That is really the number one reason. Number one use of money. Amen. You see, that, and we touched on this a little bit last week. The world has no problem with people that are serving the devil, going all out, serving the devil in ways that are obviously immoral, obviously, you know, putting stuff in front of people that will uh, cause them to sin. Look at Hollywood. People have no problem. They may complain about it, but they, they'll say, well, they earned it. Look at the people that are involved in movies that are completely against God's word, but they get paid millions of dollars. The, 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 the world has no problem really with that. Or all kinds of other things. But you talk about the church or the people of God and money, oh, there are fits thrown. Is that true or not? It doesn't have to be true. Like, it doesn't, the, the thing that, the width of it doesn't have to be true. People will jump on it. The media will jump on it and make a connection like there is something wrong going on. Don't talk about money. Don't bring it up because that is just, we, we don't talk about that in the church. Who, I said this last time, but it's worth iterating right now. Who would want to support the thought that the church should have no money? Spiritual being. Satan is the God of this world and has propagated the thoughts and the ideas that the people of God should not have money. Now, the money should not have you. And we talked about that, and we'll talk about that, I believe, more. But the tithe is bringing, it is, it is putting into the kingdom of God and offerings above that to put and invest in the kingdom of God because number one, we went through some of these things because we love, we love God. I'll just read them real quick. We love God. We want to be obedient to Him. We want to carry out the Great Commission. We want to see people blessed. And then down the line, we expect that He'll do what He said in His Word to take care of us. But that is not the main thing. And there has been a lot of, you know, in the late 90s, especially, mid to late 90s, and then by the early 2000s, it was tapering off. There was so much unbalance in this area. Everything was about money. Does anybody else remember that? Nobody else remembers it? As far as in the, king, in the church, there was so much. And part of the reason there's that book, uh, the Midas touch is to counter that. There was so much of that. But there is a true. And there is a real. And being involved in what God is doing, it, it, you know, and to, to see the things of God uh, prosper, there isn't anything um, on, the, on the face of the earth. We want to be involved in what He's doing, and we want to see it you know, fully able to do everything 
that he's calling each one of us to do. So there is no curse involved with tithing. In the case of tithing and giving into the kingdom of God, he is faithful, he will never fail, but it is still an act of faith and not of compulsion. Amen. Let's look at, uh, so let's look at Malachi 3.10 and then we'll go to some other verses. So there is, uh, as we give into the kingdom, then we can expect that we would have everything we need. And I want, so I've read this verse several times, but I want to focus on a different part of it. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So it says there, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there will be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. So this is where you see you're involved in what God's doing. And now, as you're doing that, this, and we're going to read some more scriptures, now you can depend on this. This is God's word. This isn't my opinion. It says, bring all the the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Does that sound good? That is for the tither. So if we tithe, see, when we come and we're tithing, we can say, God, you said this. Now go forward to verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now you could say it, you know, here it's saying um, the the devourer will not destroy the fruit of your ground or the vine fail to to bear fruit for you. You could say your equipment's going to last a long time. The stuff you buy is going to serve you well. See, there is income, but then there is, if you've got to replace something all the time, that saps that. So there is multifacets. This you buy, you're led to buy the right stuff, and then it lasts you a long time, and you don't have to replace it, which is just like adding money to your income. That's part of it. And God said, for the tither, you expect that when you give, you are in partnership with the Almighty, and so you, you your finances. So the ninety percent after the tithe ends up being more than the hundred percent without the tithe. In all facets, you expect it's it, it's you you bring God into partnership with what you're doing. Proverbs three verse nine. It says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops." Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your, all your crops, or you could say the first fruits of all your income, the first part of your income. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. What does that say? You give to the Lord. You bring what you need to into uh, the storehouse. And then it says, everything, your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. You will have to overflowing everything you need because you're bringing it into his hands. And you can stand on it. You look at this and say, Lord, I, I expect, now you may not have a barn, but you have savings accounts and you have accounts and you're able to do more in the kingdom of God and you're able to be generous. You know, if you don't have money, you can't be generous when somebody needs it. You know, like when we have situations like this week, you want, we have ability to help because you have. Well, people, see, people don't really believe that God doesn't want you to do well in reality, in, intellectually. Religion might tell you that, but most people do not. They might adhere to it on Sunday because there are parts of Christianity that say, no, God doesn't want you to have anything. Well, then they go right out on Monday and try to make the most money that they possibly can. If you don't believe it, then act like you don't believe it. Don't try to get the higher paying job. Don't try to get promoted. Don't try to make your business grow. See, nobody, I mean, if you're being honest, the actions speak louder than words. People don't really believe that. Again, and we've talked about this and we'll talk about it. You don't want to seek the money. Can people get money without serving God? Absolutely. You see examples every day, but you, there are gonna, there's going to be a cost. If you put him first, then you're going to grow with your ability to handle money and you're going to have everything that you need taken care of in all areas of your life, not just giving it all for one area and then everything else imploding. So, how did I get to the, that part? I went off on a rabbit trail and it doesn't happen often, but I, I lost my next thought there. What were we saying on the barns and then the... Um, Praise the Lord. God, bring it back to me. Anyway. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. You're laughing at me. Praise God. Yes. So you need to, if you don't, we say it, people don't really believe they don't, that, that God doesn't want you to be blessed or, you know, they say, well, God doesn't want you to have something, but then go out and do everything they can to make the money. If you don't believe it, then act like you don't believe it. But if you don't have it, see, oh, and we said you, that you could, yeah, you can go make money in other ways and then give your livelihood and realize that was really stupid because I traded things that were really valuable for that. But there is a truth that you can serve God, have money in its right place, do great things in the earth, have plenty of money and be a blessing to other people because you're righteous, you serve God and you have influence. What is wrong with that? According to the word, there's nothing wrong with that. God has a problem with us seeking the stuff, but does not have a problem with us having means to help individuals and to further the gospel. 
to be able to give to the, what God's doing. When we get out of here, anything that we did for the kingdom of God, that's going to shine. Anything that we did on our own pursuits, it's just going to fade. It's going to be forgotten. But why not have millions or billions and be using it for the kingdom of God? See, the world will go, oh, what do you mean? Yeah, you're not talking about you storing it away and doing everything just for yourself. You're saying you have that influence to be able to help what God's doing. Why, why would that be wrong? According to the word of God, it wouldn't be wrong. But, but when it, it, you know, there is a God of this world that tries to tear that down and tries to get people, Christians, to believe they shouldn't have anything in a religious mindset so that they, they, they give in to, 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 to a way of life that, that isn't what God intended, that's less than what God intended. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Whatever a man sows, he, that he will also reap. So we're reading a few scriptures that as someone that is a tither, as someone that uh, gives in the kingdom of God, you should expect good. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Give and it will be given to you. This is a general law. God, this works in every area. It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So, you know, the tithe is one part of that and, and giving offerings above it. But as we're giving, as then God gives God an opportunity for that to be measured back to us. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Talking about, you know, analogy for a crop. We've used investments. You, see, you reap or sow sparingly, reap sparingly. In other words, not, not putting that much in, don't, getting that, don't get that much out. He who sows bountifully, or a lot, will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes and how. Now that's talking about offerings, because that, obviously, the tithe is 10%. This is talking about offerings, but you're not limiting God. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. That means not like your arms twisted. For God loves a cheerful giver. Well, if you know everything we've been talking about and you really believe it, if you really believe that God is who He says He is, the Word is who, he says, who it says He is, that he want, He's a good God, that He wants you to do well in life, that, he, that you want to spread the gospel, that that's our commission, well then, when you're being a part of what God's doing on the earth, why wouldn't you be happy about it? Why wouldn't you be, and, and you know what's coming, you're not giving for that reason, but you know literally and truly, and you believe it, you're in partnership with God. It'd be like you're buying stock 20 years ago, and you know you knew what was coming now. Not going to name companies, but I can name companies. You bought it, and it was super low, and you knew what it was going to look like in 2022. If you, you wouldn't be going, you know whatever, your electronic platform, whatever, you're, you're, you're hitting the click button to buy, you wouldn't be sad about it. 
You'd be like, woo-hoo. <laughs> now, somebody, some, there has been a lot of preaching and teaching that makes it all about what I'm talking about now. Your reward. And we, that, is, that is true. It's in the Bible. But it is not your motivation for giving. Your motivation for giving is because you're hooked up with God. You love Him. You want to you do what He calls you to do. You're obedient because you actually believe Him. You want to be part of the Great Commission. You want to see other people's lives change as yours have. But then, yes, there is a reward. But you get that out of balance, it'll mess, it, it'll mess things up. And there, there has been an overemphasis at times on the latter. You give so that you can get. And that, has, that gives a bad taste to people. It makes it look like it's some con thing, like it's some game, like it's some you know, shell game. And it's not. It's the Word of God, and it, we're supposed to be in a partnership doing God's work on the earth, and thank God He means what He says and says what He means, but we don't, we don't serve money, and we'll talk about that more later, and we have, but we don't seek it, but it, there is a truth there that God said He would pour out on you blessings that you could not contain. And so then there is something to be happy about. But that's not your main motivation. Verse 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Let's read this again. Look at this sentence. Who in their right mind would not want this for their lives? And God is able to make all grace or ability abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That means whatever you're involved in, you have plenty to do it. Some, there's a need. Somebody says, hey, we have an opportunity to give. You're like, I'll, I'll give to that. I have plenty to give. I want to help that. I want to help that. I want to get this done because I'm all about God's work. Why? Is, that's a good thing to be in that position. And that's exact. That's scripture. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. Now, that is not the reason you're giving, but that is a benefit. And we, so you need to be then strong in that. As we're walking through the thing, we, you know, if we're involved in what God has said, we don't then buy lies that, well, this is just your lot. Yeah, that's good for somebody else, but just not for you. You're holier because you're not. Do you see that people will buy that lie in the kingdom of God that somehow it's holy not to have anything? It's not when there's a need and you can't meet it. It's better to be right with God and able to meet it. You're not holier, you know, than people have gone. I'm just touching. I'm going to touch some practical things now. But people had gotten the mindset that somehow, well, your, your, your bank account is a, is a measure of your spirituality. <laughs> Give me a break. Just look at the world. That's not true. There's all kinds of people that have plenty of money in the bank and farthest thing from God. There's people that have nothing and are far from God. In the middle, far from God. On the other hand, there's every one of those and are close to God. That's not a measure. Okay? But it doesn't, the Bible doesn't teach that you're holier if you don't have anything. That's not true. Doesn't mean that, you know, you want to impress everybody so you're going to give a big check. That's, that's pride. That's a dumb reason to give a big check. 
I want my name read. Okay. Now, not, I've heard that done for people I respect. I'm not knocking it. But if that was the motivation, I mean, it'd be more like, okay, my name's going to be read, but I still want to give that. You know, I've heard, like I said, people that I respect very much doing that. I'm not knocking that. But if your motivation was to hear your name, that's wrong. I think that would be across the board. Right? We laugh, but hey, we're all human and there's that, you know, well, you know, maybe they don't hear my name read, but somehow it's known. That's, that's, not, that's not God. That's not saying God won't use it. Thank God he's merciful, but that's not the reason to give. No, we want to give in humility going, you know, if God has blessed you, well, thank God I'm able to give this. Never thought I'd be able to write this big of a check, but praise God, here we go. And glory to God. All right, just some practical things uh, just to close up here, you know, on, on, on tithing. You know, somebody said, I don't have the money to tithe and give offerings. What, when, when would I start? Well, it's like everything else. There's priorities. And this is not condemnation. This is not, you know, again, it's a choice. But it's like everything else in, in the, the, that we deal with in our life. We could easily, we could say, I don't have enough time to go to church. When I do have enough time, I'll start. That, you know how that goes. I, I don't have enough time to exercise. When I do, I'll, I'll, I'll start. You guys just, you got, you're going to get quiet on me now? You, you know what I'm talking about. It's like everything else. We have to, it's not, you know, it, again, there's benefits to these things, but we have to be like, God, does God mean what he says or not? Because there will never be, with priorities, there'll never be enough time. It'd be like saying, well, you know, I, I don't really have time to talk to my kids and have some good conversations with them, but when I have enough time, I'll start. It's going by quick, and, you know, we got two out of the house now, and we got two more at home. And we know you can't get that back. I'm glad, I'm happy for them where they are, but that is a segment of time. You can't get that back, and if you just wait to say, well, when I have time, I'll do it. Everything has a funny thing, you know, time and, and events have a funny thing of just stealing and just popping up, and it always seems like something's more important. Well, money's the same way. If we wait to the end, oops, I don't have it again. But God said, if you'll put me first. Pastor Hagen said this, very practical. Pastor Hagen said this when he was an associate pastor many decades ago. Um, he was an associate pastor for his father-in-law. And one person came to him and said, I, I, I want to tithe, I want to give. But when I get my paycheck, by the time I, I come to church, I don't have anything left. And Pastor Hagen said he got him a, a stack of envelopes. You know, this is... 60s something decades and decades ago he goes here's some some envelopes when you get your paycheck you put in 10 percent into the envelope and you either drop it by the church or you mail it and you put it in before you, you do anything and he just has a practical man and the man started doing that and he was blessed and blessed and blessed and i don't want to get my stories mixed up if that was one thing i'm thinking of but I, 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 but he, he, it was a practical matter for him. But he just put it first, and God will honor His word. He, you'll have, he, he will do what he said. He will do the 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 it, tithing is not just the highest financial priority. It affects the rest of your income. So when you do that, then it causes the ninety percent. It changes things. And I don't know how it works. 
And that's part of the faith. You, do, you just think, oh, but you, you give and it makes other things work. And we're talking about a holistic life for God, not just a financial thing. You're serving him and, and it, it, you cause laws to go into um, effect and things to happen. So where to put the tithe? The Bible is not, uh, it doesn't say, you know, well, I'll just read what the word says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. We read some of these scriptures. So as a, as somebody that it belongs to a local church, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which is where you get fed spiritually. So if you're locally, I mean, if you don't get fed spiritually in whatever church you're going to, then you ought to get into a church where you get fed spiritually. And in this day and age, there's really no excuse. I mean, there was a time when there wasn't a lot of word churches and all that, but it's not the case now. Go, go. If you're going to ever move somewhere and change jobs, make sure you can get into a church that is going to teach you the word of God. That ought to be the, one of the highest priorities. Is there a Bible-believing church? Don't move and then go, there's not a church there. Yes, there's online. Yes, there's stuff. We all know that. and we've, we've gone through the pandemic, but we ought to know, too, it's not the same as being local. You need somebody that knows you. And even if you're not able, you ought to, be, you ought to know that congregation. You ought to know, be a connection so that if you need help, you can get it. Well, that should be the local church. The, 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 you know, you, so the scripture does not say thou shalt tithe to your church. Okay. It says what I'm, I'm saying here. And as you look historically, look at our day and age, I'm talking about practical matters because people have these questions. Look at when you're living in a town, go back 150 years, you're living in a town and going to a local body, a local church. Go back 300 years. I mean, the mail. You're, where are you gonna, where's the ministries that you're going to mail something to? You're, gonna, you're, you're, you're bringing into the local body that you have, and then there's different local bodies. Back here in, in Malachi, they're bringing the tithe locally. Okay, so that there is precedent in the Bible. You see that you're bringing it to the place you're getting fed. Now, thank God for other ministries. Brother Hagen himself, Kenneth Hagen, Rhema. I mean, Rhema, there's Rhema Bible Church. But there's Kenneth Hagin Ministries that's worldwide. There's the church, and then there's worldwide ministries. Well, Brother Hagin, he always said, tithe to your local church. And I'm saying, and we're not quoting scripture. You can't follow man. You have to follow conviction, you know, based on the word of God. But Brother Hagin would always say, you tithe to your local church. Anything you send to us, because it was a traveling ministry, you know, um, ministry that ministered to the whole body of Christ, we're going to receive that as an offering. And... uh, because your, your church, you, you know, that's where your, that's the people that are going to be there in an emergency. Those are the people that are going to be there for hospital visits and for marriages and all these things and the local um, needs. But thank God for the other ministries. And that's where offerings come in above the tithe. We want to be able to support those. And this church does support those. And I mentioned this in the offering, but as, um, as 10% or as the, the general offering or giving comes in, you know, if somebody gives to a video project, then we, that goes to the video project. Somebody gives to a, you know, a, a special project, it goes to the special project. But the general giving, we take 10% of that and put it into account. Some of that, we're supporting um, certain ministries. 
and we'll make a list of those. I just want to make sure everybody knows those. Um, but, you know, RAMA, of course, we support, and um, people that are involved in missions and so forth. But you, that goes, we, we're, that's going back out so that we're able to give um, in, into these other ministries. We believe in them, we support them. And so, um, just as a general principle, the tithe goes into the church and then there's offerings above that. When you have guest ministers in, that would be considered an offering. When we have a guest minister in, you don't take your tithe and give it to the guest minister. You'd have your tithe and then an offering is above that. The net or the gross. You know, people say, should I tithe on the net or the gross? Well, here's a general principle. You can't outgive God. People get hung up on stuff like this. But let me ask you just a general question. If the tax rate was 1%, would this even be an issue? Because it used to be. Long time. I mean, the, the taxes were hardly anything. Now they're a large percentage of income. But if you have money come in and the Bible says give 10%, how would we interpret that if that, the taxes were 1%? You probably wouldn't even give it any thought. But people ask this because they're like, that seems like a lot. Well, here's the thing. Follow your heart, but what you, don't let anybody put you in condemnation, but you can't outgive God. So if you're given 10% um, off the gross, then, well, you're not going to outgive God. It's not going to be like, oh, God's like, I, I don't know how to get that back to you now. So... Follow your conviction. I've always ties off the gross, but that doesn't really, that's really near here, the, here nor there. You, you, but um, generally, like I said, when we think about it as far as if the taxes weren't so high, what would we do? We shouldn't let natural things determine what we do with God's things. Just in um, business partnership, because sometimes, you know, in a business, that's different. You talk, we're talking about your personal income and talking about giving, but like Sometimes it's confusing for people for a business, like how should I, how would I do that with the business? Well, remember the tithe is 10% off the increase. So if you have a business and there's no profit, then there's no increase. You tithe off the increase. You don't tithe off, I mean, you could, but you know, if you have a bunch of expenses and you have revenue which is before expenses, and you're tithing off that, well, then you're cutting into everything that you caught to, to run your business. That's not what the Bible's saying. But if you had profit, if you, I'm saying if you want to tithe as a business, this is a practical issue, you know, because people have, have these questions sometimes. What does that mean? Well, you have increase. The easiest way to think about it is if you had a business partner that was entitled to 10% of the earnings, how would you work that? Well, God is your business par partner. How would it work if you had a business partner? Pretend God, because he is, not pretend. God is your business partner, so then what, what would that look like? And then that solves a lot of the accounting and solves the way you would look at it. And um, just a practical issue. Praise God. I think I covered the... Um, What I was going to cover there. Glory to God. Well, some just wrapped up with some practical things. The bottom line is this is, this is in the Bible. It was before the, the law. It was during the law. 
It's after the law. It's a principle of God to fund the kingdom of God, to get His work done on the earth. The primary thing is getting His work done and being a part. And we, get, we need to figure out where is our part. And it's, we don't put it out of, out of balance and to put an overemphasis on it, but we don't underemphasize it either. We look at what the Word of God says, and we go by what His Word says, and then we expect what His Word says, and we just keep chugging and doing our part and give Him glory for everything that comes forth. Amen.